0: Hey, friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torn Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his album, Citizen of Heaven. Let me tell you a little behind the scenes here at That Sounds Fun podcast. We often have our shows scheduled and our guests scheduled weeks and sometimes months in advance. In fact, currently we are booked through most, at least half of the fall And we have our summer totally booked up, and that's great, and it's so fun, and y'all are going to love the conversations. And every now and again, something happens in our world, in our culture, in my life, that I want to interrupt our normal schedule of who we're going to be talking to and bring a guest on that was not pre-planned. Now, y'all know the plan is I, I never record shows more than a week or a couple of days ahead of releasing them because I want them to be timely and I want them to matter to you on the day you hear them. But usually they're scheduled for a little bit. But today's show is one of those where I made a SOS call to a good friend and he agreed to be on the show today. As many of you know, I have been on a public journey over the last year and a half to be better educated and better communicate and better advocate for my friends of color, my friends that are not white. And recently, there have been some really public stories of the death of some African-Americans, and I want to talk about it with a friend who's African-American. And so I called Pastor Mike Kelsey. He is a pastor at McLean Bible Church in Washington, D.C. You'll hear him tell you all about himself. But I called Mike, and I said— you shouldn't have to do this. You don't have to educate us. Would you mind coming on and having a conversation with me about what is going on right now? And he very kindly agreed. Mike does not have a book coming out. Mike does not have an album coming out. There is nothing you can buy for <laughs> to get more of Mike Kelsey. You can go listen to his teachings on McLean Bible's podcast. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter. And I will also tell you that Mike has given us a list of resources, of books we can read and documentaries and some other things. And we've linked to them here in the show notes. We will link to them on YouTube. Remember, youtube.com slash Annie F. Downs, T-S-F, for that sounds fun, where Mike and I talk about those resources. They are linked there as well, as well as on AnnieFDowns.com slash podcast podcast. They are all there for you. And every one of those links is an affiliate link that the money will go directly to Mike. So he built the list for us. It is super fair. He built the list for us. And since he built the list for us, he will get paid off the affiliate link. So that is one of the ways we get to thank Mike is by thanking him for building this list. And I promise you every penny. We have built a separate affiliate account that is not mine. And every penny of that will go to Mike and his family to do whatever they want, get a trampoline or, you know, eat out one night or whatever. So every everything you buy through the links that we share with this show will be an affiliate link to Amazon that directly benefits Mike Kelsey and his family. One other quick thing for my mini BFFs, this is a totally appropriate conversation for my young friends who are listening. And I hope it is one that will help springboard parents any conversations you want to have in your home you may want to listen first just to get your mind around what mike and i talk about and then many bffs are very 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 welcome here because we get to raise the next generation of people as mike says that have instincts of justice yes 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 instincts of justice so here's my conversation with pastor mike kelsey Mike Kelsey. Hi, friend. What's up? Thank you for doing this today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: I mean, well, here's what happened is I put up the help me Mike flag and you said, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Here's the thing I started to say to you before we started recording, but I wanted to say it publicly is my listeners and my friends on the other side know that I have, I got called out in a very healthy way that I wasn't being diverse enough in my friends and in my guests on the podcast. Mm. And so for about a year and a half, I've been really actively learning. And so I wanted to thank you for being willing to jump on with us today and talk. But also, I just want to say, I'm I'm really sorry that you have to teach a white girl how to do this well. Mm. That's not your job, but I really appreciate, I mean, I'm going to cry talking to you. I just really appreciate you being generous with me mm. when you shouldn't have to do this. But mm. I just want to thank you for this.
1: Yeah. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship and I learned so much from you. You already know. I already joked with you. I told you some people like get a bowl of ice cream. Some people binge Netflix. It's been a very hard week. And what I do is I just get on Annie Downs Instagram live <laughs> and, uh, because you are hilarious. And I just I'll want to see
0: coming. <laughs> which
1: pants you're wearing. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah.
0: Listen, did you see that L.A., they're opening up a museum
1: mm. of
0: the pandemic? And I'm like, mm. I feel like I should send my you down.
1: We need a submission. Like we could start a petition <laughs> to get you into this museum.
0: Right? I feel like that's a very unique list that I no one else has kept. It. If I can just put the start date and the end date. For my 57 days, I'm going to do it. I need to, I saw the article. I haven't done the research, but I'm going to at least tear that page out and mail it to
1: them. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: I think I should. Okay. Let's back up and tell everybody how we're friends. About a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, right? Wasn't it June?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yep.
0: Yeah. We both flew out to Colorado with a group of friends and kind of just had just a sit down, hang out conversation for a couple of days Mm -hmm. with Focus on the Family, I think was our main host. Tell me why you said yes to going to Colorado last summer.
1: Yeah, uh, I, honestly, uh, so we got a mutual friend, Brad Lominick, and uh, yes. I didn't He's really know what I was. He's been on the show; I people was, love him. Yeah, I didn't know what I was necessarily getting into. I'll be honest with you; I, I haven't been in the loop that much. So I'm focused on the family in a really long time, and uh, and so uh, I was just like, "All right, bro, I'm, I'm coming because because you told me to come," and I went, and and you were there. I was just so encouraged by. Uh, what God is doing. And I think a, a pretty new, fresh thing and focus on the family. And uh, so I just went, man, to to hang out with Brad, hang out with me, most of you who I hadn't met yet, including yeah. you and uh, and to see how we could help. So it was fun, man. We had a blast.
0: Yeah, we did. I totally loved it. We, you and I got to sit next to each other at dinner the first night. Yeah. And I mean, for real, we were three minutes in the conversation. We were both like, yeah, we're going to be friends. This is going to work out just This is, is forever. This is forever. I mean, I had just never. Also, we got to eat dinner and stay at the Biltmore. Is it, no, not yeah. the Biltmore. The Oh, gosh. Was Biltmore's place? in North Carolina. Where were we?
1: I don't even remember a name. It was fancy. Oh, it was no. nice. It yeah. was fancy.
0: It was yeah. really fancy. Broadmoor. There it is. Broadmoor. The
1: Broadmoor. Yeah.
0: I mean, fanciest hotel room I've ever stayed in in my life.
1: My God. It was crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, Brad. Oh, just call me, Brad. Anytime.
0: Yeah. Where else I'm you available? need to be, Brad Lominick?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I will show up where <laughs> you need me. Um, okay. Will you back us up a little bit and tell everybody who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously, Mike Kelsey, I'm uh, from here in the D.C. area. My family, my wife's family's here. Uh, my wife is Ashley, and we have three wonderful, crazy uh, kids. And um, we are both uh, obviously together at McLean Bible Church, which is the church where I serve as a pastor. And my wife was on staff as a worship leader for 11 years. And um, so she's been off staff now for the last couple of years, but still serving in the church. And so uh, I serve as one of our teaching pastors. And then I Lead one of our locations here in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is kind of on the northern tip of DC, and uh, I have a lot of fun doing it.
0: Oh, okay. So you, so our friend David Platt, you're who also is the lead pastor at your church, yeah, yeah, he's been on the show. He was on the show last summer. Yeah. Wait. So y'all are at different campuses? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah. So I'm one of the teaching pastors alongside him to all of our campuses, Um, but then I also lead uh, one of our specific campuses, which is it's actually so all of our campuses are in Northern Virginia. And uh, the campus that I lead is the only campus kind of on the other side of the Potomac River, which is relevant to what we're talking about today. Because if you know the D.C. area, affectionately known as the DMV, Uh then the other side of the Potomac River is just a very different world than Northern Virginia. So, Yeah, can you tell uh, me the
0: difference? Because I don't know enough.
1: Well, so, all right. So for for folks who are listening uh, who may not be familiar, when most people think about Washington, D.C., the way we like to put it is they think about Washington, And so that is the seat of power and influence and the capital and the museums and all that kind of stuff. And that part of Washington is great. But then, as we like to say, then there's D.C., uh, which has been affectionately called Chocolate City. Um, And actually, D.C. fell. uh, The African-American population fell below 51 percent for the first time in a long time, decades. And I think it was 2011. And so there's just these two. There's been articles written about it. There's these two cities within a city. And so, so that's true in the city itself, but also uh, Northern Virginia is just m- uh, more conservative politically okay. than uh, than than Maryland is, and certainly Montgomery County is. So that creates a very interesting dynamic in a multi-site church right. uh, that's trying to preach and shepherd and lead people across those geographical, but but which represents you know political, racial, cultural kind of lines. So it's right. a fun, I mean, it's a delight. fun mess. It's that, a fun that is a huge hot mess. mess, yeah.
0: Because kind of here at Crosspoint, we have we have six campuses, but they and we have some like Nashville. Our main campus is downtown, mm. and our outlying campuses are more rural, mm. and yeah. you know some of them are get get real rural. But mm-hmm. racially, it's not as separated as much okay. as like our Nashville campus is, majority twenties and thirties. Yeah. And then as you go out, it's more families. Yeah. But y'all have a real racial divide between your campus and the other campuses.
1: Yeah, I mean, and all of our campuses oh. are, are 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 diverse to a degree, mine, it's just because where my campus is, so four of the top 10 most diverse cities in America are in my county. <gasps> Yeah, like. so it's just that it's just crazy diverse here. But this the whole DC area is pretty diverse. So it's just it's just a uh it's I think it's a challenge of doing multi-site across a, a whole metropolitan area and then here in the DC area it being so diverse in general uh you know, it's it's a challenge but it's fun, man. And we're we're making it work, we're growing and uh yeah, I mean, it's super so with the Sundays to you're
0: not teaching, do you yeah. only teach from the main campus and they stream everywhere else? This is me going real deep into church, church <laughs> Sunday yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, or do
0: you stream uh, from your campus?
1: No, so so it's a little bit of both. So I preach, you know, from our kind of broadcast, large largest yep. original campus uh, to all campuses, and then there will be sometimes where our campus pastors will preach live, local, physically at their their, uh, campus location. So I'll do that here at our Montgomery County campus.
0: Okay. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Now that y'all are having church at home, I assume y'all are still having church at home?
1: Yes, we are. Yes, we are
0: too. How is it different how you're pastoring your specific campus Mm -hmm. as a church at home than what the other campuses are having to do because of your diversity?
1: Well, that part hasn't hasn't been different, uh, because everybody's at home. You know what I'm saying? We all right. bored. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> everybody's locked in watching your Instagram live, uh, just trying to s- <laughs> see a beacon of light
0: in in, right. in the just midst of the darkness. Trying to kind room. of fun. Right. And
1: uh, so, so we've been doing what a lot of churches are doing. You know, Sundays are broadcast online. Our groups have gone online. Like our pastoral meetings are are via Zoom. Zoom gloom is a real thing. Yeah, um, I haven't heard that
0: yet, but you are right. It's
1: a thing. It's a whole thing, and so we a lot. We just shifted all of our ministry essentially to to online. What what is interesting, and we don't see it so much yet in our church. But if you look over the uh, across the country, this whole thing does start to separate politically as well, because there's people who are like, we churches, you know what I mean, should not be shutting down. The government shouldn't be able to tell us, you know, that we can't mm-hmm. gather uh, mm-hmm. on the more conservative end. And so, uh, so I mean, we haven't really dealt with that as a church. We've just said, hey, uh, it ain't a really a political thing. It's a love your neighbor thing. And so right. for us, we just want to do what is wise and prudent and follow the wisdom of the CDC and, uh, and our, our government officials here um, so we haven't we haven't opened uh back up yet and, and aren't planning to for for a little while.
0: Yeah. Man, I'm personally struggling with that. The like loving your neighbors. I mean, I like my neighbors, but I mean I'm personally struggling with staying as locked down as we're supposed mm-hmm. to. Yeah. because I am just tired of this. I'm
1: tired. I'm tired, Annie. I'm yeah. tired.
0: Do you feel that yeah. too? Even though I you're with yes. everybody home, it's just like. Man, yeah. I, I I'm just gonna go and do what I want to do, and yeah, then you're like, well, man. I can't risk that for my friends yeah. who are sick or could get sick. And
1: listen, Oof, I tired. listen. This is relevant to the topic today. Okay, this is going. This is going. This is multiracial one-on-one, real quick. Just for your listeners, you have to know and you have to understand. I know everybody cares about their hair, but as a black man, mm-hmm. like part of my identity is wrapped up. <laughs> And how crisp my shape up is. You know what I'm saying? And so when these lines become overgrown and this whole thing starts to fall apart, it's a problem. So that has been a big issue for me. I'm like talking to my wife. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like, I have to get a (laughs) haircut. Ashley
0: hadn't learned yet? Is she trying to learn?
1: Listen, I'm trying to help her understand. She keeps asking me (laughs) because she cut my hair. And I'm like, I... What, what?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And uh, so, man, I've been so tempted, man, to just get out here. And I listen, I know there's some barbers that are doing some black market haircuts. And so I have definitely been tempted to get out here. But honestly, what keeps me in same thing for the church, man, is just thinking, I remember my dad just saying, when you really put, like, we're talking about a haircut, but just think about any of the things that we feel tempted to do right now. He's just been like, when you put it in the grand scheme of things, isn't a- asking the question is a haircut worth it? Isn't doesn't yeah. that even just sound dumb? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like saying yeah. it out loud, I'm like, yeah, you're right, <laughs> right, you're you're right,
0: right. You went on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know man. what's
0: funny here is our county is still closed for haircuts and nails and all that kind of stuff, mm. and restaurants like sitting and and the county right below us is open. Mm. And man, so it's that been hurts. this week. Yeah, and we did this weird, I had this conversation, we did like a distance happy hour last night with a bunch of girls, we were all six Mm -hmm. feet apart, and we had this long conversation about like, is it right for us to drive 10 minutes south Mm. to get our nails done, Mm. or is it not, you know, it's just real weird, how do we what's the right thing to do here? Mm, And so there's all sorts uh, of questions that if you did last June, when we were sitting around the table, if you'd have been like, so Annie, (laughs) would you drive to Franklin (laughs) to get your nails done? (laughs) It's such a, it's a surprisingly complicated thing that we didn't know the pandemic would cause.
1: No, man, no, I wasn't even taking it that seriously at first, to be honest with you. Um, Right. And, uh, but it's a serious thing, man. So we're all, we're all making it together, you know, apart online, but we're all in it together. So
0: well, listen, let's talk about the gift you gave me every day that I was, mm. every day that I was quarantined those first 10 days, every mm. single day, Mike Kelsey, you reminded me that you were praying mm. and that yeah. just meant so much to me. Tell me, tell me what your thoughts are on prayer. We love talking about prayer here because yeah. no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, whether this is brand new or this has been your whole life, mm. everybody's trying to be better at talking to God and hearing from God. Yeah,
1: for sure. Man. So
0: what's your prayer life like?
1: Yeah, man, I low key don't even want to talk about prayer because I'm like, could you could you cut in Kevin Queen on this part? (laughs) Um, But I don't even know him. I never even met the dude before, man. But I just I've heard enough of stuff uh, that I just know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think for me, just when you posted, uh, you were just so honest and vulnerable about your fears related to kind of stepping into the dungeon, you know what I mean? Like yeah. into this time of just being alone and, and, and what that means physically, like, you know, anxiety around that, but also just what that means for you emotionally and relationally and stuff. And so just like a lot of people that follow you, I was just really uh, impacted by it. And I, I know me and I know mm-hmm. most of us, like when we say I'm praying for you, well, there was the prayer, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that was that's like, the end of what we agreed like, to do. That, that was it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's more well wishes. That's not prayer. And uh, and so for me, it's just real practical, man. I I don't do this because I'm so spiritual. It's because I'm not. I just put a reminder in my phone. Annie Downs, like you had a reminder in my phone every day for 10 days. You know what I'm saying? I went off to pray for you. And so but I've also learned, too, that it can be encouraging. I know how I feel when somebody texts me to say I'm praying for you or I just pray for you. Um, It's just really encouraging. So I just would send you, you know, like a little hand prayer emoji. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing deep just to let you know that I was praying for you. So I think for me personally, yeah, just that, that intercessory prayer is an area that I am uh, continuing to try to grow in and try to build rhythms around. And for me, I just, I need to, to have it be structured. And, and one helpful way for me in doing that is I have people for a particular season that I just feel burdened to pray for. And some yeah. it's been a long season. You know what I'm saying? And and, and some it's like you, it's 10 days because of your yeah. specific circumstances. I literally just, I, I'm just, let's get real practical. I just be like, Siri, set a reminder every day at 8 p.m. Pray for Annie Downs. Wow. That's all I do. And, yeah. and then it just will pop up and it'll, it'll prompt me to just stop what I'm doing in that moment. Remember what you're going through and enter into that with you just through prayer.
0: Yeah. I, gosh. Well, A, thank you very, very much. And B, I, I just think sometimes we forget that prayer can have some practical boundaries around it that just mm-hmm. make it easier to remember. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. don't have to like, good Christians aren't the ones who just remember everyone. No, nah. It's the ones of us who set it on our phones and yeah. who who, yeah. Who, yeah. Meet, who take the help that technology gives to help us be who we want to be.
1: Absolutely, and sometimes we 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 just make it too deep, man. And and yeah. I just think that it's it's the heart. Like if you're really committed, well, you do that type of stuff for a yeah. lot of different things in your life. And so do whatever you need to to allow yourself to express the real desire of your heart, because we yeah. all want to grow in these areas, especially if you're a Christian. And I know all your listeners are not Christians, but. Even if you're not a Christian, you you know, prayer is such a critical part of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, just being like, I need some help to follow through on that commitment. Um, and so I've just, those are just some things that have helped me specifically when it comes to just praying for other people on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah. I have a um, one of those really big sticky note pads, you know, that are like mm. a poster size. Yeah. And so in my room where I have my time in the morning where I read, I mean, I literally had to hang up a big sticky note Mm -hmm. and write people's names on it.
1: Absolutely. And I just see it every
0: day. And so it's not that, I mean, I'm not like this awesome prayer necessarily. I just have it on a big sticky note hung up in my house
1: (laughs) because
0: I just was realizing that I was only praying for stuff I cared about. Like that was me. You know? Yeah. And I was yeah, like, well, I want to pray for my friends, but I don't remember to. And so yeah. I just got me a big old sticky note.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. The man. way I
0: sorted it. Okay. So one of the things that we haven't said out loud is I'm white and you're black.
1: Yes. That is and- true. These are facts.
0: <laughs> Those are facts. And last week the video came out of Ahmad Arbery being mm-hmm. murdered in the street in South Georgia by two mm-hmm. white men. And then a third white man videoing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I I don't know why this one hit different for me. Mm-hmm. Did it hit different for you? And I'm sorry you know, to even say this yeah. one. That is that is that mm-hmm. is even right there, there's problem number one that there's a list.
1: Hmm. Yeah. But oh yeah. That yeah, for sure. Right? I mean, there's a long list. I'm actually I'm curious I mean, I know you're the one interviewing me, but I am curious. Yeah to know for you why this one hit hit different cuz i do i i i i get that sense about this particular situation and yeah i'm curious like how how did that resonate with you like what did that do in a new fresh way in you
0: um you know i grew up in georgia mm. so that may play into it because That's i huge. know i know that city yeah. and i know pastors who are pastoring churches there mm, yeah and I know yeah. people who've grown up there and so yeah. that may be part of it is I don't know that street or that neighborhood but I know those people yeah and it, to be real honest with you it didn't involve policemen mm-hmm. who who carry guns yeah and yeah. it looked like an execution mm. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't think we should see any of that anyway I, I think the amount of violence we see is unbelievable but i watched it and i thought my gosh they just chased him down and killed him Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. is what is happening and so for some reason and i also think mike to be honest with you i've been on a real racial reconciliation and learning journey for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and that probably is the dovetail that met Mm -hmm. of like an a story that has not looked to me like the uh, like the other stories we've seen of black people being killed mm-hmm. by white people. The hometownness of it, and the amount of learning and reading I've done in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or tried to do. I've I have a very long way to go, but I think it may be that combination. But also, I felt like the world was louder about Ahmad than they have been about some of the other yeah. similar stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that, that resonates with, with, with what I see. I think this did hit different and, uh, and. Did it for you as well? So it's odd for me, it didn't, I but I understand why definitely, I, I, like Freddie Gray, for example, um, when he was killed, uh, in police custody, that hit different for me because it was in Baltimore. It was local, so I think yeah. when it is more local, especially if you're familiar with the area, it makes it more concrete and real. It's not just sure. a story, you know what I mean? And uh, so I definitely see why I hit different for you. I think that's been part. People have asked me a lot, man. How are you doing? You know? And one of the things that is, oh man, I was I was telling somebody, it's like if you if you're married and you know there's there's conflict, there's issues, and you're upset, you're angry, that's bad. Um, in my time as a pastor, when I'm sitting with a a, a couple, mm-hmm. the, when I know it's really bad is when that wife doesn't even feel it. She doesn't, she doesn't feel anymore. She's oh, numb.
0: Right. The worst situation is when there's numbness. Oh
1: yeah. And so right. for me, I wasn't numb. I watched the video by accident. I was scrolling through Twitter. I kept seeing, I didn't even know about the situation prior to last Tuesday. I think it was last Tuesday when the video was, was released. And I'm scrolling through. I keep seeing Ahmaud Arbery's name. Um, and, and, and so I clicked the video, not really understanding what I was watching. And, and this is what I posted online. I wish I hadn't watched it. It was not just infuriating. Yeah. It was traumatic. It was yeah, traumatic I to, to watch it. And so I wasn't numb in that moment. Like that wrecked me. Um, I didn't even want to talk to my wife about it. Mm-hmm. I, and my wife is black. My wife is an African-American. So, so we processed this stuff and we we both have this intuitive understanding. I I didn't even want to talk to her about it, though, because mm-hmm. I was just it was it felt like a a, a short term, like depression. I was just so impacted by it. But I think after kind of coming out of the initial like traumatic effect of seeing the video. Then, then my my heart kind of settled back down onto the reality that this is not new mm. this is not new now it's a new situation yeah. and I don't want to in any way minimize this pain for his family because it is new to them it is fresh to sure. them it is deeply personal to them uh, but in the in the grand scheme of what we're talking about this is a very common and unfortunately predictable pattern that we see over and over and over again. And so it wasn't just that, it wasn't like, okay, Ahmaud Arbery's name is just added to the list of hashtags. It's not as callous and as casual as that, Um, but it is like this deep, just sadness that you're already used to. You're already Mm -hmm. familiar with it. And so I, I, I was, yeah, I was heartbroken by it. I was devastated by it. But unfortunately, it was a grief that I'm very, very familiar with.
0: Yeah. Man, I'm I'm gonna say this a hundred times, but I'm so sorry. And the the part a part to me is he was just jogging. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, he was just jogging. And yeah. yeah. Will you um tell the story? You wrote about this on Instagram. Sorry. Yeah.
1: No, you wrote about this on
0: Instagram about your being in the Neighborhood in the neighborhood you live in with your sons, yeah, and your son asking you how fast you can run. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which, like, what kid hasn't tried to race their parent? Come on, oh, yeah, and listen, all my my mini BFFs love to race me, and I I always
1: say, real talk, when he asked me, How fast can you run? Will you run? Like, I in my mind, I'm like, I've been training for this moment my (laughs) whole life to flex (laughs) on my son right now, so yeah, so I'm in my neighborhood, and um. And this was a while ago. Uh, had my three kids. We were just t- kind of taking. This is in the midst of COVID nineteen. You know, yeah. everybody's How old taking, are they, by the
0: way, and boys and girls. Tell us this nine
1: nine year old girl, six year old boy, three year old boy. Ooh, and, uh, that's
0: a yeah. good, that's a fun, that's a fun crew right there. Yeah,
1: fun, fun is, fun is the word, <laughs> fun is the word. And uh, so we're outside, and that's one of the things I will say about COVID-19 is, like, everybody outside, I'm like, I, I haven't met none of y'all before. Um, <laughs> And um, and so we're, we're going on walks every day and all that. And so we were out, and uh, my six-year-old son said, Daddy, I want to see how, how fast you can run. And he asked me to, uh, he was like, I want you to run as fast as you can to the end of the block and back. And what I wrote, what I posted online, was that the the feeling I immediately felt surprised me. As soon as he said, "I want you to run down the end the block and back," I felt nervous. Oh wow! And uh, and I in in just a split second, like I and I don't think I, even fully though you're understood, in your own neighborhood, I'm in my own neighborhood now. It's been a couple years. We're, I mean, well, we're not new in the neighborhood anymore. But yeah, but what I felt nervous about was I had a hoodie on. Um, I had my hood pulled uh, um, on because as we were walking, it started to drizzle a little bit and just immediate, my immediate thought and concern was, I don't know if it's wise as a black man with a hoodie on to be seen running full speed down the street the the people may not see my kids. You know what I mean? And um, and then the consequences of their suspicion are now out of my control and so in that moment there was a nervousness and then there was an immediate grief that that because that's informed not just by my personal experiences but but by the kind of white supremacist history of our country and and so um so i in that moment i feel grieved because racism is robbing me of the joy of this moment with my son and robbing him. yeah. Right now, let me just fast forward, right? Because I posted that online and some people wanted. I, I pushed through it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, <laughs> "Listen, I'm gonna run down my own street." You know what I'm saying? And uh and I and I pushed through it and I ran and and we were fine and he, and here's what I knew: there's a 0.01, 99.9% chance, right? That 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 we I would run, we go home, everything would be fine, and that's exactly what happened but there's a 0.01% chance that uh somebody would be suspicious and call that in and now I'm in a position where things could could escalate quickly and so that that is just that story resonated with a lot of people particularly some of my white friends because they're like wow you know what I mean like people look yes. at me cuz I'm a pastor at a church and I'm college educated and I live in this diverse environment and all that and they're like wait a minute you you feel that you feel that too you think you think about that too and i'm like yeah absolutely i don't have like and this is important for some people to understand like uh, and it's no shade at all to police officers i thank god for police officers you're doing sacred work you are doing the work of god in the world to serve and to protect even if you're not a christian you're a law enforcement official to the extent that you're doing it with integrity and you're honoring that oath and that badge um, to, to protect and pursue justice. You are doing God's work. And at the very same time, because of the environment that I grew up in, and I'm in a large mega church, diverse church now, but yeah. my dad's church, and he's still a pastor, is in the hood in Northeast D.C. in Trinidad in War 5. And so, oh, wow. uh, like, my experience of policing in that community and the the history of policing African American communities in this country has shaped in me a nervousness, a skepticism of police officers, sure. right? And I and I have to kind of work through that. So where some people look at a squad car coming through their neighborhood and are like, "Oh, this is so great, Babe, Can you talking to my you know son or whatever? Can you run yeah. a officer such and such out? Uh, you know, a cold glass of lemonade? You know what All I right. mean? Like in my mind, I'm like Yo, everybody stop. Like let's not give them any reason to think anything. That that's just the instinct, you know, yeah. uh in me. And that's informed by by a lot of personal experience, but also by history.
0: Yeah. And again, I think that may be one of the things that shocked me about Ahmad. Yeah. Was that police weren't involved. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. Because that yeah. seems to be the a, a narrative that has happened a lot. Yeah. And this just felt like, wait, wait, you're, you don't have any, this, you're, you're not a law enforcement person at all. Why do yeah. you have a gun out yeah. on the street? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I think that that may have been part of it for me. Can yeah. we talk a little bit about parenting for a second? Because how do you parent, like for our friends who are listening that are black or, or uh, any person of color yeah. and they're raising up the next generation what kind of things are you having to parent your children through? Priscilla Shires talked about this a lot with her yeah. sons. What's it look like for you in parenting for you and Ashley?
1: Yeah, man, it's been tough to to try to navigate that and to figure out just like with any subject, right? When what's age appropriate and um, and particularly when it comes to race, what and people know this, I think, but some I'm surprised sometimes with how people don't know it or haven't thought about it. Race, our racial categories in the United States, it's 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 a social construct. Like we made it up. Mm. Um, and if and if you want to dive deeper in that, we can talk about that. But like we made yeah, it will up. Can you
0: explain what that means a little bit? So
1: here's here's what I mean. When we when we use these um uh these labels, right? Like even when we when we joked, you said, you know, I'm white uh and, and, and you're black, and I said, you know, those are facts. Well, I mean that's okay yes in in our country you're white I'm black for sure but it's not really facts not biologically speaking you know what I mean like they, right. they these are things that that we we made up and and the the racial categories um are a part of a racial hierarchy that was intentionally created in our country in order to justify white people being dominant and oppressing people who are not considered white and so whiteness was was literally made up. The Polish weren't mm-hmm. white originally. The That's Irish right. weren't r- white originally. Right. And so uh, that was a category that was created in order to justify the enslavement and oppression of. People of African descent, and not just African mm-hmm. descent, because with the like initial wave of Asian American immigration, Asian you know people were were low wage uh, uh, laborers that were sure. taken advantage of and oppressed or whatever. So those categories were made up. The reason I bring all that up, and that has so many different implications. The reason I bring that up as it relates to parenting is because I'm we've been trying to discern how to prepare them to live in a world where. These made up racial categories are real and have real Mm. consequences, but at the same time, not burden them down with this identity that was created in order to oppress them and to rob them of their humanity. And that's a very difficult for all of us, white, black, any, all of us, it's a very difficult. Tension, right? Because on the one hand, it'd be great to be like, "Yo, we all colorblind and and race was just <laughs> made up, so let's just forget about it anyway." So let's
0: live like that, yeah. Yeah, let's live like that. Real. The
1: problem yeah. is that's not real because a whole systems, this in, this whole country was was set up based on this this uh, racist white supremacist hierarchy, and that has ongoing effects. So we're trying to navigate that. So what what that looks like is just, especially with our nine year old daughter uh, who's in fourth grade. Uh, yeah. we're just having real conversations. She knows who my Arbery is, Of course, she hasn't watched the video, but she sure. knows his name. She knows the situation um because I want not just to begin to help her understand what it means to be a little black girl growing up in for us, a very diverse community, but I want to begin shaping in her instincts of justice mm. right where she she has a sensitivity to the marginalized and the vulnerable and the yeah. oppressed, uh, and the systemic evil that is at work, you know, in the world. So that's conversations. That's having her read some some things, some things that are just based in history, some things that are like Trillian Nubel has a book. Oh, uh, I it's love a kid's Kalia. book. What is the name of the book? I'm forgetting the name of the book. We'll God's Great Idea yeah. or something like that. God's great idea, God's good idea. And um so just starting to shape some of that in in them.
0: And actually what I would love for us to do when we hop over to YouTube is I've already written down, I would love for you to list us some resources when we hop on YouTube that people should read and watch and just to help our learning. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Mike to tell you about some of our partners. You already know about my love for She Reads Truth. We talk about it all the time. She Reads Truth, He Reads Truth, Kids Read Truth. I love it. They create beautiful printed resources that give you a plan to be a woman in the Word of God every day. That's She Reads Truth, and I love it. I don't know about you, but sometimes it is hard enough to decide what to wear real pants or not real pants, let alone decide what to read in scripture. And that's why I let She Reads Truth Through the and for me. Seriously, these products have helped me stay connected to the word of God on the good days and the bad days and all the days in between. She Reach Truth wants to help you be a woman in the Word of God every day, and they make it super easy to do that by signing up for the She Reach Truth subscription box. Y'all, I love this. Every month, they send a brand new study book. Y'all know them. You've seen me use them, filled with daily scripture readings and all sorts of beautiful extras to enhance your understanding of the Bible. Plus, you'll get fun gifts and free access to their Bible reading app. As a special treat to our That Sounds Fun community, She Reach Truth is giving you 50 50% off your first subscription box when you use the code FUN50, N five zero. My gracious. So join me in being a woman in the word of God every day. Head over to com slash box and use the code FUN50 for 50% off your first subscription box. My goodness. com slash box. And the code is fun fifty. Today's show is also brought to us by our friends at Nutrafol. Y'all know we talked about this a lot during the pandemic, but we don't really have a lot of control right now, (laughs) or we've lost our illusion that we ever had control of our lives, right? And it and the one thing you can take charge of is your own hair growth. And over the next few months of your time, grow thicker, fuller, healthier hair. Thirty million women experience hair loss. We don't talk about it very much, but. It's going through it yourself. You can feel so lonely and frustrating and it's time to change the conversation and join thousands of women who are standing up for their strands of hair. Listen, Nutrafol is formulated with potent botanicals to help you grow hair as strong as you are. It's physician formulated to be 100% drug free, which I really, really appreciate. They use natural clinically effective botanicals for better hair growth through your whole body. You can actually take a hair wellness quiz on their website, nutriful.com and it'll give you customized product recommendations that put the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back in your hands. Y'all, 77% of women saw improvements in just 90 days. So that's like by the end of summer. That is so awesome. Even if you aren't experiencing thinning hair, Nutrafol can help you grow thicker, stronger hair. So you guys grow thicker, stronger hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code sounds fun and you'll get 20% off. That's their best offer available anywhere, anywhere. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. 20% off at nutriful.com with the promo code SOUNDSFUN. It's their best offer. I love it. 20% off. Nutrafol is N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Promo code SOUNDSFUN. For hair as strong as you are, my friend, nutriful.com, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. And the promo code is SOUNDSFUN. And I'll also remind you that every book purchased everything purchased off of Amazon using the affiliate links in the show today and on the website today attached to Mike's show and on the YouTube video of Mike and I every bit of that affiliate money using those links will go straight to Mike Kelsey and his family so go order some books too and now back to the show Okay, that instincts of justice thing stands out to me, Mike, because mm-hmm. thinking about our white parents that are listening, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and even me, who I am i don't birth children yet, but yeah. I am helping raise a lot of kids Absolutely. in my community, but also via my mini BFF book club, you know? Listen, on Downs,
1: you, you part of raising my kids. I, I just yeah. sit them down. We just be watching your in- Instagram live when I just need them right. to sit down and be quiet.
0: Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, So for those of us that are white, that are raising kids. Yeah. What is what does it look like to give them an instinct of justice, to be yeah. teaching them about instincts of justice? Because this this history is very long mm-hmm. and it feels daunting and impossible to fix. Mm-hmm. But then I think, OK, but if we raise the entire next generation different, mm-hmm. it could be different. How do we do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, that's tough. That, that's tough because I know there are dynamics, you know, for example, within white families that I, as a person of color, I don't understand. You know what I mean? And so uh, but it's such a good question. I, as a pastor, obviously, I'm interacting and helping to to care for people and teach people of, of all different racial groups. So one of the things I would say, man, is um, is to 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 do your homework, to research and to read and to make yourself aware of our history, but not just our history because racism is not just a thing of the past. The effects are ongoing, but racism itself is still ongoing. So I would challenge parents, uh, don't just stick your head in the sand on this and don't assume, see, ignoring it does not make it better. Mm, It it does not make it better at all. It allows it to flourish in the darkness. So, So educate yourself, make sure you understand Watch the education that your children are getting if they're in public school or home school or private school, whatever it is, and make sure that you are supplementing their education appropriately as as you learn and you grow. Are they learning uh, the history of our country uh, in a way that reflects reality and not mm-hmm. just this kind of edited, sanitized you know, version of our history? Um, yeah. And so I think out of that uh, education, you can then begin to frame this for them. And then have some conversations, like encourage them to develop like diverse friendships in their schools. Don't be afraid. And I see this sometimes. And, and to be honest with you, I feel it sometimes, right? Where yeah. you know my kids are stretching me when it comes to 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 diversity. Who they're and they, out with? Where yeah. they, they hang out with? You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, uh, these little white kids are coming to my house, and I, I'm like, I didn't grow up like this. And yeah. and then I'm meeting and I'm meeting their parents, and 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 so it stretches me. And so I would say uh, allow that to flourish because they are growing up in a more diverse world. It's not this like lollipop and gumdrop world, you know what I mean? Where, oh, we're all diverse now and everything's sweet. It's not that, Um, but especially at younger ages and depending on where you live, they're gonna probably be more inclined to develop uh, some more diverse friendships. So cultivate that, invite those kids and their families into your home, Mm -hmm. to, to to their birthday parties, Be intentional about that. And then I would say in terms of justice in particular, um, at appropriate age levels, you be the one to sit down and have these conversations with them Yeah, because they're going to see it on Snapchat. You know what I mean? Like they're going to see it as they scroll through YouTube and there's, you know what I mean? They're going to see these things.
0: Yeah. They're going to run into racism pretty early. They're going
1: to run into it. And so you sit down and help them know the name of Ahmaud Arbery. Like Mm -hmm. you, you sit them down and and help them understand some of these dynamics. And even if you feel a little insecure about the details or about whatever, but you want to help them understand, but this is the type of thing that we, we need to care about and we need to pay attention to. And I think some parents just like with sex are afraid of saying the wrong thing, or I'm just not ready to have that conversation. And so you leave your children to be educated and disciple in ways that may not be healthy or helpful.
0: Yeah, and I would think I haven't had a conversation wide open with a kid about this, but mm-hmm. I would think that a, a stance that would be healthy to take is learning alongside your child.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: I'm I'm learning I'm learning things too because this yeah. is some of this is new for me too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. Like
0: That'd be a healthy stance.
1: Well, what and what I was going to add to that, too, is just in terms so this applies to everybody in terms of specifically just 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 white friends that are listening to this just work that I would encourage you to do. But this I think we have to we have to help our children begin to cultivate this kind of work as well, like familiarizing yourself. And I know these words can be inflammatory, uh, but 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 you have to understand what these terms mean and the dynamics that they represent. And so understanding some of what I just talked about, like whiteness, like white identity, where does that come from? Because it's not just this arbitrary thing. It was created as a tool of violence and murder and oppression and rape uh, and disenfranchisement. And so understanding that, terms like white privilege, which can be very difficult for people to understand or even embrace, and, and I want to be gracious and I want to be sensitive to, to where people are in just their own understanding and convictions. Uh, but there are certain benefits that were intentionally tied to white skin in this country. Um, and the accumulation of those benefits over time affects you. It does. Yes. I'm not saying like your life is awesome because you're white. No, no, no. That's not what white privilege means. It just means that there are some benefits that you enjoy simply because you're white that others don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so understanding what that means and like how does that play out in your own personal life and and what opportunity or responsibility do you have in light of that? White fragility is another term that is annoying to a lot of people I know and I've had lots of conversations (laughs) about it. But it's a real thing where some yeah. white people, because this is what's going to happen. Some people are now, because this feels so new and fresh, they they feel this sense of outrage and sadness over it. Here's the thing. You're going to get tired. Yeah. You're going to get tired of people bringing up race. You're going to get tired of social media. I'm tired. I don't feel like talking about this no more. You know what I mean? But I don't have a choice. I don't have that luxury. Right. And so uh, you, you're you going to get tired but but you but just remember that when you feel like you're on mile 3 of the conversation a lot of people that are around you are on mile 19 and so the reason i mentioned some of those terms is because not only what i encourage those of you listening to understand those terms and then push it down a level to where how is how are those things showing up in my life
0: oh, i yes, think we
1: right? ha- if we want yes. to see a generation change then we need white leaders and we need white parents and white educators to early on, up, uh, appropriately, help the emerging generation of white people in our country begin to understand those dynamics now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now so that yeah. they can embrace the opportunity that they have and the responsibility that they have either in interpersonal ways, with, in relationships with other people, or the, the opportunity and responsibility they have to pursue justice and equity um, as a white person in our country.
0: Yeah, that's a, a couple of days ago when I shared about Ahmad, I did the swipe up to the CNN story mm. and someone commented back to me and said, were you afraid you'd get nasty comments mm-hmm. if, you, if you left your comments open? And I was like, listen, I'm so much more afraid of the racism in me
1: mm. than
0: the racism in a commenter. It's yeah. not even comparable.
1: <laughs> I hear you. Because
0: cause, cause the, a, a racist comment doesn't affect my life. The yeah. racism in me
1: yeah.
0: affect shapes everything.
1: Yeah. And Absolutely.
0: so I gotta, I, I have to do the work of my white fragility getting tired of trying to diversify things. Yeah. And I have to do the work around the 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 privileges we have. I mean, when I read 1619 project last year and even the shape of the interstates yeah. in Atlanta, yeah, I was like. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Even the way they built the roads was to my advantage.
1: hundred percent. The public <laughs> transit system know. and yeah. uh, all, all, all that. Yeah. And, and you, 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 you I think what you're modeling for people you're listening to is so, so, so important. It is so important. When people ask me, OK, so what I as, as a white friend, what do I do? I mean, there's a lot of practical things that we could talk about. But the first step is for you to start with your own heart. Yeah. For you to start with your own heart, Jesus is so clear about this when he said, "Listen, like before you point out the speck in somebody else's eye, you need to take the plank out of your own eye." And right. so you have to start with your own heart and you have to ask the very tough, uncomfortable question. So, for an example, it is just a fact. This is not this is not a black man being angry. This is a fact, and you can see this in history that black men have been intentionally Intentionally criminalized in 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 our country. In other words, like and and there's there's like the American Psychological Association. Other people have done research studies on this on on the effects of this. But there is this like this deep fear that many people in our country have been trained in as it relates to black men. Let me give you one example of how I see this show up. Because some people are like, I'm cool. Let me give you one one example. This happens all the time. I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me some story, right? You know, about, you know, uh, some scary, you know, dude uh, and their interaction with him. And what, and the way they'll describe him is he was this big black guy. Now, let me ask this question Why was the fact that he's black relevant? Right. Why was it, why, why not just he was this big dude? Here's why. And a lot of people don't even realize it is because when you add the detail that he was black, that makes it more scary and intimidating. Right. And so I see that in people and they don't even realize it. They ju- they, they don't see me. You know what I'm saying? As, as scary. That's Not right. Many people That's a do, weird you know part that
0: they're saying I'm, that to you and you're. Yeah. Big black guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're saying it to to, to to me, you know what I'm saying? And I'm over here in COVID-19 drinking protein shakes because I'm trying to gain some weight, you know what I mean? Like, ain't nobody scared of me. Uh, and I'm light-skinned with light eyes. They're not scared of me. But the darker your skin, the more threatening you are. The darker your skin, the more, the more scary, right, the story becomes. If it's this big, dark black guy that actually adds more intensity and fear to the story i see people do it all of the time you know why because there you've been trained and it's connected to intentional decisions by people in our history to cast black men as not image bearers of god not human because we all know legally black people in general were defined as less than human uh right. but 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 by our but actual to, government. By our actual government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to present black men as as perpetual threats. And that's why you have a lot of black men who are want to be extra careful and keep the hair cut and keep the beard trimmed and wear a button button-down shirt instead of, you know, a hoodie and oh, don't move you too think fast. Think about
0: that like when you get ready.
1: Hundred percent. Okay. No, I'm I'm at a place where I'm like, I'm about to be free. You know what I mean? Y'all's racism yeah. is y'all's problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's COVID 19. I can't get a haircut. Y'all gonna have to deal with it. I'm gonna wear this <laughs> do-rag, you know what I'm saying? But uh, and if your your listeners don't know what a do-rag is, just Google it. But sure. but uh but that is a, a real thing that our parents had to sit us down and say, hold up, I'll never forget when I was in college and I had grown my hair out, which my parents didn't like, period. But they were mm-hmm. like, you know what, we're gonna let you be be grown for a little bit, we're gonna let you grow your hair out. Um, and I, and this was my fault. I ended up getting arrested because of trespassing and it's a super long story there. We can talk about that on YouTube. Uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> we went, we just, we visited this abandoned insane asylum and we thought it'd be a good idea in college. Which me and a white bunch of people friends.
0: would do all the time. I mean, anybody, any college yeah. kids will do dumb stuff like that. Yes.
1: And it was amazing. Uh, but don't, I wouldn't advise <laughs> that you, that you do it. Um, and, uh, you know, so I saw, I got arrested or whatever and it wasn't that big of a deal, but I had to go to court and I, I remember my, my parents were out of town. They sent my uncle to my house to make, they said, you don't have a choice. You are going to cut your hair before oh, wow. you sit before a judge. Because if you have long hair like that and it's corn road or it's whatever, then that will affect or that that very likely could affect their perception of you and it could f- affect the the outcome of, of this situation. So those things are real.
0: Right. That just uh, to be 100% honest with you, don't cross my mind. <laughs> They don't cross my mind about my own life. About my own life.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: What, Mike? What does it look like for myself and my white friends to advocate well? We just had Eugene Cho on, helping us learn how to advocate in I general. Heard it,
1: man, he's the OG. Yeah. yeah.
0: Man, isn't he? I and mean, he's moving to yeah. your town.
1: Yeah, You're I, I heard have that. To be bros yeah. with him. Yeah.
0: You've got to tell me what it looks like for us to advocate well for our black friends. I mean, I, I agree with you first and foremost. Look at our own hearts. Repent, yeah. lament, <laughs> yeah, and and then and then what would you say we should do next?
1: Yeah, so let me so let me give you some practical things. Let me add this though to the heart piece. I think seeing your own kind of prejudice and bias, there's another dynamic uh, in your heart. It's in all of our hearts um, that expresses itself in different ways, and that's self-preservation, because mm. that will end up hindering you from 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 wholeheartedly like advocating for these things let me give you one historical example and this is not to throw shade at all george Mm whitfield some of your listeners won't be familiar with george whitfield but he's like a godfather of kind of white evangelicalism um he kind of uh you know he was responsible for expanding the gospel through the frontier and he was a part of the great awakening and like all this stuff and so george whitfield prolific preacher biographies you know written on him like 1200 pages, you know, and I've read them and I've read his sermons and they are in many ways fantastic sermons. But George Whitfield was a white man who used the platform that God gave him to preach the gospel. He leveraged that to advocate the Georgia legislature to use Africans as, as slave labor. And his reasoning, now this is a man who at the same time was Preaching the gospel uh, to to slaves and, and and wanting them to go to heaven and, and be forgiven, and even rebuking white slave owners who were yeah. quote unquote you know cruel. Right? I would say, well, owning a person is cruel, but right. and at the same time, he advocated for that. And the reason why, and this is this, I, I hope it connects with everybody that's listening. The reason why he advocated for slave labor is he said, if we don't use African labor then it will negatively affect the Georgia economy. Oh wow. So so understand the dynamic, it was this sense of self self-preservation, right? Yeah. If I have to choose between the economy and and justice, then I'm going to choose the economy. I'm going to choose what ultimately benefits me and my family, the white yeah. people of the fine state of Georgia. That right. dynamic is in each one of us. And so what I see with a it, and this is true of everybody. All Jesus calls all of us to to lay down our self preservation on on for the sake of those who are vulnerable. But right. for white friends that are listening, that dynamic is in you. And so when 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 you go to the voting booth, when you are making decisions about where you're going to live and how you're going to live, especially mm-hmm. as we're talking about moving into cities, that self preservation will cause you to end up being complicit. Even as you post outrage on social media, it could could cause you to be complicit in the oppression of other people. So so I want to start there, like just being honest about that in your own heart. And if you're a, a, a Christian, being honest before the Lord, you know, in that and saying, Lord, help me to be willing to make personal sacrifices to my reputation, my relationships, my finances, where I live, if I have to in order to live a just life where I love mercy and I partner with God on behalf of those who, who are disenfranchised and oppressed. So that's that's kind of at a heart level. And, and from a practical standpoint, I would just say continue building relationships. Mm-hmm. Like authentic relationships w- with people who aren't research projects. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and with people for whom you want to be a benefit and a blessing to. Because yeah. white folks, I need to learn from you too. And I have. Oh, my gosh. Like being in community uh, for, uh, with people who are different from me, particularly uh, particularly more conserv- politically conservative white people has shaped me. Hasn't really? changed all my convictions, but it has dramatically shaped me. And so I want to say to to you, Annie, and I want to say to those who are listening, do not apologize for being white. Mm don't apologize for 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 being white but know what comes along with that know the history of it but know what comes along al- along with it and we need your voice we 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 need you to step into these conversations and we need you to be in mutually beneficial relationships because there's a, a deconstruction process that happens in that right where where as we get to know one another then our assumptions that are skewed like start to just fall apart But then there's a reconstruction process that happens in that where now we can rebuild something that's based on authenticity and truth. And so stretch yourself and stick with it. There's going to be times where you say something wrong and somebody's yeah. offended. That's
0: so scary.
1: It's so scary. And listen, yeah. I've been, I've been on the, I've, I've come for some people's heads who have said some things wrong. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I, I, I know. And and I, so to so those racial minorities, um, people of color who are listening, I think we have to. This is what Jesus called, especially if you're a Christian. We have to extend grace, like Paul talks about in First Thessalonians. He says, encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak and admonish the unruly. Three different categories of people, and and you have to Do you know where
0: that is off the top of your head. Uh, it's
1: in First Thessalonians. Okay. And, and we'll I think it. it's we'll First it Thessalonians up. 5. That's but important. think about That's those important. three categories of people. For, yeah, because sometimes I've admonished the faint hearted. <sighs> sure. I've admonished the weak who have said, I just don't know. You know what I mean? Um, and then sometimes because I'm tired or I'm scared, then I just. And passive, you know what I'm saying, or encourage the unruly who are out here talking crazy on social media and aren't really interested in having a dialogue, but they can't get past their white supremacy and their arrogance. And uh, and and in those cases, well, I, we, I don't. So I think you have to be able to uh, to discern that. So I just want to encourage people, specific, particularly white people, engage in those in, in in those relationships, research, do your own homework. And use your black friends and your Asian friends and Latino friends, Native American friends as conversation partners in that. But don't put all the weight and burden on them because you, you know what I'm saying? You went to graduate school. You know what I'm saying? Like you, 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 you <laughs> uh, pro- at least went to high school, I'm sure. Um, and and now we got the Googles. You know what I'm saying? So you right. can easily learn uh, some of some basic things. And, and so. So do some research, learn, and then you, uh, and then engage those those relationships as conversation partners in that, and then also uh, pay attention to because that's just at an inter- interpersonal level. But interpersonal solutions don't fix institutional problems, okay. right?
0: Interpersonal solutions don't, don't fix. don't
1: don't solve institutional, in, in, in yeah, institutional yeah. problems. Yeah, being
0: having black friends isn't going to change the lack of privilege across the institution. No,
1: and that doesn't change okay. laws and that yeah, doesn't right. change policies okay. and that doesn't, so so begin to learn like how you can effectively engage the various systems of our country or the systems in the school where you work in or the company you work for or the neighborhood association that you're a part of or the apartment complex or like the engage the systems that you're a part of in order to make it a just and equitable environment for all the people who are a part of that.
0: Yeah, that's an that's an important part of this and that's something that, you know, Pastor Eugene talked to us a lot about is like you, you we have to engage in the political side of this. Yeah. To some degree. You don't have to become that doesn't have to be your number one thing where you're calling 12 people a day. Though you can. But yeah. there is there is an thinking about your neighbor in a bigger scale than just the person who actually lives next door to you. Like Yeah. how can we advocate for bigger things in our school systems or in the hospitals or, you know, and how the lower income housing is handled and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and, and let me just say this, if I can just kind of put my pastor hat on just for a second, like yeah. what, what you're talking about right now is, is something that's so imperative. Uh, I think about George Whitfield, but I think about that self-preserving impulse on my own heart. Like that has to like that dynamic. You think about Jesus when he he, he he put a towel around his waist, right, and he took all of his power and privilege and authority, and he laid it down at the feet of the disciples and washed their feet. And he and he said why he did it. Yeah. He did it one to point to the fact that that's what he was going to do on the cross. That he was gonna he was gonna allow himself to experience right all of our sin shame penalty of all of that in our place. But yeah. also, but also because. That is what we should look like as his people as we engage the world, that we should engage the world in sacrificial, redemptive, life-giving ways. And so you see that all throughout Jesus's ministry, man. Like I I was just reading through the Gospels and you see Jesus um, like he 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 um liberated this man that was oppressed by demons and it's a very weird story. Listen, y'all pastors yeah. don't understand everything in the Bible. It's a super <laughs> weird story. And but he he cast out these demons in this dude and the demons ask like, "Yo, can you throw us into the pigs instead of yeah. the abyss?" I don't understand. Like, I don't understand <laughs> at all. And Jesus did it. Like, first of all, I'm like, Jesus, why are we negotiating with demons? First of Thank all, you. that's number one. But anyway, all right. And uh, but, the pigs
0: drown themselves. So what the pigs happened? <laughs> what is happening?
1: I don't know. But here's, here's one thing that's happening in that. Think about this. When you read that story, the local townspeople and herdsmen were upset and they asked Jesus to leave. And here's one of the things that I think is going on there. Jesus cares so much about one person being free that he's willing to disrupt an entire industry, mm, right? Wow. It's a whole herd of pigs. Right. That's that's the industry of that the local two thousand community, 2,000 pigs. Yeah, right? 2, thousand thousand? pigs. Yeah. And they're upset about it. And you see this happen over and over again throughout wow. the gospels. And I think it shows us the heart of God that God says, I care so much, even about the one." Like I care about their soul. And, and I want you to hear this if you're listening, that God loves you so much, that he cares so much about you, right? And, yeah. and all of your flaws and your sins and all of that, that he is willing to do what it takes to come get you, to come make sure that you know how much he loves you and what he's done to secure that love for you. And and then he calls us to move in the world in that way. And so so when we think about politics and we think about buying our houses and all that, like that, that has to move us to like sing and praise and worship God. Right. Because we know how much he's done for us and he saved us, but it also has to affect like the way we think about our responsibility in the world. And we, and we can't just make these simplistic decisions like, oh, well, this is better for the economy, but better for, for the economy for who?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, this is right. this is like we need to care about the unborn. Yes, we do need to care about the unborn for sure, right? But but there are, are also this whole spectrum of issues and people that need to be cared for, and so we just need to like allow God's heart to calibrate our heart and our decisions, um, and and not just reduce it to to our kind of little pet, you know, issues that mm-hmm. tend to be most dominant and loud in in our circles.
0: And it's so hard to do because we know Jesus has asked us to think about others first, but then we also have to think about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> right? We just have yeah, to choose to we do. believe that God will care for you yep. even if you're thinking of other people more than yourself.
1: And that's why we got to give each other grace, man, you're, because we all have to we got we all have to work this out and we all have to make decisions based on our own conscience, but we yes. all have a responsibility to each other. To, to to help our consciences be more informed. You know what I mean? And so cool. Let's be in community with each other. And Annie Downs, like you have freedom to press on me. I never forget, man, like I, I I mentioned that just some of my white friends that have shaped me. Uh, and I and I mentioned just that 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 sense of fear and, and skepticism that I grew up with when it comes to to police officers. Even though I had police officers in our church, you know what I mean? There were black police officers in our church, you know. whole whole story. But but i will never forget man two things one i preached a sermon and i was preaching about racism and i mentioned uh and it was in uh, also in the heat uh in, in this particular instance of uh of of, of of police uh killing an unarmed black man um yeah. and uh and so i mentioned the police uh not in a in a broadly negative way but just the reality that that there are abuses of power and uh and i'll never forget um in between the services uh a mentor of mine called me and he said, hey, man, uh, I agree with everything you said. He said, you know what would be so helpful, though, is if if is when you bring it up, when you address that, if you would also take a moment to thank the police officers that are that are legit. Wow. And and I was and I was actually frustrated. i was, done
0: here today. That's. I, yeah. That.
1: <laughs> well, I was frustrated because I was like, yo, we don't hardly ever talk about abuses of power and how that affects vulnerable populations and particularly black people in our country. You know what I'm saying? We always talk about, especially in conservative evangelical circles, we always talk about, you know what I'm saying? Like how great America is and police officers and all that. I was mad at first, Mm -hmm. but I, but I submitted to his, his counsel and I did it. And the emails I got afterwards and the conversations that I was able to be a part of, it just opened up a, 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 window into just a world that honestly, I just wasn't that familiar. I didn't grow up with a dad as a cop who left the house every day, and 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 I'm yeah. I'm trying to wonder, is he gonna make it home? You know what I mean? Or a mom who is 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 in law enforcement in some other way, as a local police officer, or you know, a criminal attorney, whatever it is. I, I didn't grow up with that, and so it was just helpful. It doesn't change my convictions. It doesn't change me from speaking the truth, but it helps me speak the truth now with informed love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, so this is not just a one way street. We need to be in these honest, authentic conversations with one another so that so that we all grow and we all mature. And and, and that, again, that doesn't exempt like it is a disproportionate, I would say, responsibility in this particular moment of, of the history of our of our country. I think particularly white Christians need to say, I will initiate. I will make sacrifices, um, not just on social media, but in my church, in my neighborhood. I, I will allow that to shape how I vote um, and who I support and all of that. But we need to give one another grace, I think, in the process of forming those convictions.
0: Yeah. And I also think, I mean, I'm yes, 100 percent. Yes. And, and and the social media to me is also it is a step. But also we have to give each other grace that not every, what someone does on social media is not the full expression of what they're doing about the situation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: so, (laughs) and so when people jump on other people for not saying enough, yeah, I'm always like, man, you do not know the phone calls going on in the background.
1: hundred percent. And you do
0: not know, like I I had a situation happen with a, yeah, I had a situation happen last year and people yelled at me on the internet about what I wasn't saying. And I was like, y'all have no idea. You have no idea what is going on behind the scenes. yeah. And and so we need to give, I I also want to give permission that what you do on social media matters when it comes to talking about racial reconciliation, but -hmm. what you're doing in real life matters more.
1: It does. And I want to say, and if if folks, that, that same story that Annie is talking about that I posted in that same post, one of the points I made was, listen, don't just give in to pressure to say something.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: You know what I mean, and <laughs> because that's not just a pressure. White leaders feel. I feel that same pressure. Yeah, I don't yeah. even have hardly. I don't even have an opportunity to grieve and to process before there's pressure that I that I say something. And so, I think all of us have to chill a little bit. Now, it doesn't mean that we're silent, and I think some leaders have been guilty of that. Um, right. But it but it does mean that in our quick like like just lightning speed news cycle kind of culture we expect everybody to have well reasoned like well-formed thoughts immediately and sometimes lament means i i i can't articulate it yet you know what i mean and um and so uh so i i i do want to um encourage people in that do the work even if um in your own heart be doing the work behind the scenes even before you feel like you're ready to to say something publicly. But then when you do feel a, a sense of responsibility um, and you have something to say, make sure you say it. And, and like my man, Kevin Hart says, I don't know him, but he says, say it with your chest. Like say yeah, it with yeah. your chest. You know what I'm saying? Say it with confidence and boldness um, because it's not about you getting likes or retweets. It's because there are people's lives who are being lost and people's lives that are at stake and people who are... Uh, being incarcerated in droves disproportionately, and Asian Americans right now who are facing racism during COVID nineteen right. in some very damaging and destructive ways, and there are our children right who are 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 suffering the consequences of our political debates at the border. Like there are there is so much at stake. So when you are ready, um, and then then say it uh, with authority and, and, uh, and with wisdom, uh, and, and let's give each other grace in that, in that process.
0: Yeah, Mike, you're great. Thank you for doing this. So we're going to hop over to YouTube and talk about some resources that people can read and, and watch and those kind of things that will help us as we continue learning on this path, particularly as white people trying to learn, if that's okay with you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now here's the problem you don't have a book or anything we can buy yet. Right? Listen, I
1: ain't got nothing. I don't even know how I'm on your podcast. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> Cause you're my friend. That's how <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought when I think of people that I would have this conversation with, if I was yeah. allowed to fly somewhere, it'd be to your dining room table. And So <laughs> yeah. that is why, but okay. So we're just going to have to figure out other ways to thank you. People can follow you. Maybe you're on Venmo. People can just send Listen, you some gifts. Man. I don't know. We'll figure out a way, but you've made really good time for us today. And, and again, I, we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It shouldn't be thing you have to carry is educating other people. But I'm incredibly grateful that you made time to do this.
1: Man, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate your friendship. And I think you're doing uh, a great thing in, in bringing these issues to light on the platform that God has given you. So thank you.
0: Yeah, trying. Okay. Here's the last question we always ask. I'm not letting you off the hook without answering. Let's do it. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, Pastor yeah. Mike Kelsey. Yeah. What do the Kelseys do for fun?
1: Oh man, uh, we dance not really? not well, not well. We have some little dance parties at at, at, at our house. <laughs> we get it in, you know what I'm saying. We we sweat it out, and uh, but that's just between the five of us. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> man, we uh we right now one of the things that we're enjoying, especially with uh, with my son, but uh is is just like basketball and sports. And my daughter is I don't know why. Y'all, she's like she does ballet, but she's like a beast at yeah. football. Like she can throw, she, she can catch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and so uh we're just enjoying that right now. We ain't got nothing else to do but be outside. Yeah. Um so yeah. Are y'all
0: watching the Michael Jordan documentary?
1: Oh, come on, man. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Listen, like, I'm watching it because there's not a man in my life that's in Listen. his 30s or 40s, or my dad, Listen. who's in his 60s, that doesn't want to talk about it. So I was like, well, I like Michael Jordan. I got to watch it so I can be in all the conversations.
1: Well, and the, and just before we get off of this, you know what I mean? Since we're spook, speak, speaking truth, let's just settle this. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? He's yes. the GOAT. It doesn't have to be a debate. LeBron, no shame at, at all. You know, you're great. You know what I'm saying? I'm but you're just not the greatest.
0: LeBron, but yeah. But yeah.
1: Very the, good.
0: The reality is the one who does it first is always going to be the GOAT, right? Listen, the one who man. does the big moves first. and. Jordan did it the other night, where he said, "If you don't know why I'm a tyrant, it's because you've never won anything." Yeah, I was like, "My man, that's
1: that's go That's goat talk. That's goat talk." LeBron James ain't talking like that.
0: I thought, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, I could just be ten percent Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know why I'm a tyrant. You haven't won. Like, God, this guy, he is something else. I've enjoyed it so much. Okay, yeah, so man. dancing and sports—that's a good answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, we 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 love it, man.
0: Okay, so we can find you on Twitter and Instagram, right? Is it just yeah. Mike Kelsey?
1: Yeah, at Mike Kelsey, Twitter and Instagram. Okay.
0: All right. Well, our friends will reach out and thank you. And, and and one of the best things about being on the That Sounds Fun podcast and joining our family is that you've got a lot of friends for a long time. Mm, and yeah. so, uh, so welcome to the family, buddy. <laughs> I
1: appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Okay, friends, that is a lot to think about. I know my brain feels full, my heart feels heavy, and I also feel very thankful. Thankful that we live in a time where we can have these conversations openly, where it's something that we care about. Thankful for friends like you who will listen and are learning alongside me. Thankful for my black friends. And I'm just thankful for for all of you, for the ones who are learning and listening. For those who are listening from a place of hurt or frustration, no matter what color your skin is, I'm just so thankful that you're here. Again, make sure you follow Mike on Instagram and Twitter, Mike Kelsey. You can listen to his teachings on the McLean Bible podcast podcast. And remember that all the books he recommends over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Annie F Downs TSF. You can go watch the video of Mike and I, all that money that is collected from affiliate links will go straight to Mike and Ashley and the kids to do whatever they want to with it. It's just a fun little way we can say thank you to them. So make sure you go buy books using these links that we have provided for you below and friends let's, let's keep learning. Yeah. Let's learn together. Let's mourn together. Let's advocate together. Let's lament together. Let's be gracious with each other, as Mike said multiple times, which I really am thankful for. Hey, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and being a part of this with us. I'm really grateful. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Thursday. Y'all have a great week.